Okay, so everyone, welcome back to Autism on Life or Autism on Texas if you follow me on Twitter. Today I have Rob Gorski with me, or the Autism Dad, for everyone who knows him. Hi, Rob. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. For those people that listen to my podcast who amazingly might not know who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, like I said, my name is Rob Gorski, and uh, I... Uh, run the Autism Dad blog, and I have three kids uh, in sort of various places on the spectrum. Um, and you know, my wife and I have been, uh, I guess, autism slash special needs parents because we have a little bit of both, but we have a lot of both. <laughs> uh, and for for about eighteen or nineteen, eighteen nineteen years now. So it's it's been a sort of a long, uh, eventful journey so far, I guess. Right. So you're definitely on a high level right now. Uh, my son is about to be five. Oh, yeah. So he was diagnosed when he was uh, retroactively diagnosed when he was two. And then he's been with doctors and therapists ever since that point. Yeah. So, my, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say my oldest was diagnosed in, in 2000. My wife and I debate whether it was 20. 2004, 2005. I think it's 2005. She thinks it's 2004, but he would have been, he was about four, four years old, five years old when he was, when he was officially diagnosed. Yeah, I know. I don't know what state you're in. I know in Texas, we actually have to get them re-diagnosed at four. Really? They're diagnosed before four. Yeah, it's called a retroactive diagnosis. I never heard of that. Yeah, I'm in Ohio and it's just a, it's just a long if you do it properly and you go about it the right way, it, it, it takes six months to get a diagnosis, sometimes more than that. Um, you know, a lot of people will, I, I, I've seen some people just, their pediatrician will say, oh, he's autistic, and then they just go with it. But then that sort of closes the doors to a lot of, uh, you know, services and, and things like that if, if it's not done in a credible, proper way so it, it takes it takes a long time yeah here, absolutely I'm I'm a single parent myself so when I was pregnant with my son I never thought I'd be bringing my two-year-old to a psychologist with a higher degree than mine I always tell people yeah, <laughs> like, yeah um, that's so a question I like to ask when I meet um other parents of Mm-hmm. people on the spectrum I actually so in my tribe on our podcast uh, we call them spectrum warriors because okay. I always tell my son he can do anything because absolutely <laughs> he's super powered so yep. what is your best advice that you could give and I know you just recently wrote a blog post about this um, okay which was amazing by the way but what was your best advice for new autism parents when they first get that diagnosis? Oh, you know, it's changed as time goes on. You know, um, I always hate giving people advice simply because everybody's situation is so different and people tend to want to like latch on to what you say directly and, and it doesn't always apply to them. And they, so, but what, what, what I've, what I've found is that, um, and I think this applies universally. Uh, you know, when, when you first hear that your child has autism, even if you go through, like for us, it was a six month process. 
to be evaluated and and then we got the diagnosis um it was it was sort of earth shattering for us because this was 15 years ago and you know there was there was really nothing um out there really about autism it was still considered sort of a rare occurrence um and 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 you know we just sort of like our whole world fell apart and so i realized that a lot of parents go through the same thing and what i learned was if you just sort of take a step back and 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 kind of catch your breath and don't just react to what you're hearing uh because it can be really scary because most people really don't have sort of a, a firm grasp on what a diagnosis means and and you really don't know how it's affecting your child until they get older you know so, so nothing is predetermined nothing is um nothing is going to be uh probably the way that that, it's, that you feel it's going to be in that moment or, or what your fears are and and then you just learn as much as you can educate yourself and and learn about how it impacts your child as an individual because everybody's different and and then you know you'll become more adept at at sort of reading your kid and, and figuring out what you need to do to help them. And then uh, the third part was just making sure that from, from the very beginning, you start taking care of yourself, make yourself a priority because you will eventually burn out if you don't. And uh, that's something that unfortunately a lot of, a lot of parents struggle with is making time for themselves uh, so that they can be more what their child needs them to be long term i guess if that makes sense no that makes great sense i actually you know i wrote i actually wrote um a while back i wrote my own letter to new parents and i and i touched on a lot of those subjects because i i told them my best piece of advice was one don't google don't do yeah. <laughs> stay away stay away said, from the internet you know, if you you can read all the books you can watch all the shows you can give yourself all this information but until you actually sit down and watch your there's a reason why kids who are diagnosed are watched yep. watch your child because they're going to be your greatest teacher and i tell people all the time find find the tribe find all these people who are raising these spectrum warriors who are living with autism because i i have a friend named jay and i tell people all the time i can call my mom and tell her Hey, you know, it's the first of the month. I took Everett to Walmart and she'll go, Oh, that's so cool. What'd you get? I called Jay and he's like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? Do you need it? <laughs> <laughs> because they, yeah. they get it on a different level and, and you need that in your life. I think that yeah. is so important to have people that that just get it. Yeah, I'm actually just talking about that on Twitter. I have a Twitter thread going on right now about um I was just kind of gauging people I, mean, I sort of already know the answer but i'm trying to get people to talk about it you know how many people can say or, or feel like the people in their lives understand what they're going through as an autism or especially as parent and i haven't really heard anybody say oh absolutely i mean because and it, it's not that it's not like people are like ill you know have ill will or, or, or their malice towards you it's it's just that it's so hard to understand unless you are living it and I've I know I've heard a minute you know many times like oh you're overreacting or it can't be that bad or you know or you're just he's a only, parent you're he's not only, you know, yeah you're not on the spectrum yourself yeah oh yeah I've heard that 
I've heard that a lot, actually. You know, <laughs> That's really people, annoying. Yeah, it's funny all the time because I used to be in the military. I, mm-hmm. I was in the army before I had my son. <laughs> and I tell people, you know, my 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 life is more stressful now, and that's nothing against my son. I love my son. He's my best friend. Absolutely. Yep. And But people don't understand when you are a parent of a neurotypical child, you can get up. You can plan your day. You can go out and do something. When right. you're a parent of someone on the spectrum, you have to be prepared for everything. Everything. It's it. Yeah. It's it's a it's a like a constant adrenaline. Um, I, I always I always relate to people. Like I was a medic for a long time, and um, we'd get especially you know kid calls where there's a small child not breathing or something like that. Like you get you get in that that state of mind where like oh my gosh like you just start running through all the stuff and then you get called off because it was a mistake or or the kid's fine he was just sleeping or something and you have that like built up like like just ready to pounce ready to you know react to anything that can come your way and it's exhausting i, I mean it is there's there's no amount of sleep there's no amount of anything that that can sort of undo the toll that that takes on your body um, yeah no absolutely there's a, a soldier story that i love and if I find it, I'll send it over to you. He talks about Thanks. because medics and firemen, EMTs and soldiers and, yep. you know, sailors and everything, we, we get in there and we have the adrenaline rush and it's happening and we're good. And they prepare you for that. You can study for that. And yep. just like an autism parent, I I know that when I go to the grocery store, you know, I'm going to get some weird looks, but I get a second cart. I put Everett in it. I put a fitted sheet over the cart, the empty cart. He has his noise-canceling headphones, his tablet, and yep. he has his own little space. And nice. he needs that. And they say all the time, they don't, you can prepare for all of that. What you can't prepare for is the aftermath. You can't prepare yeah. for a two-hour panic attack where they're screaming, you can't do anything for them, and then all of a sudden, they're, they're passed out because they're fine, but you're not. Yeah, they don't. They don't. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Uh, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Uh, I, I've been writing for about ten years now, um, and one of the things that I used to talk about a lot, especially in the beginning, was like we would avoid going places in, in the beginning because you know, my oldest, um, he he would have he had serious behavioral issues. I mean, very dangerous. There were a lot of safety concerns. Um, but most of it was him, him over being overstimulated and, and just not, not having another way to to kind of handle that stuff. And we would have to make decisions about whether we went to Christmas dinner with my parents or my wife's parents or anywhere else, based on whether or not not only how he was going to handle it, but then are we in a position to handle the fallout afterwards? Like, are are, are we? Are we in a place where we can cope with that? Because if we can't cope with that, I mean, that puts him in an even worse place. And so you have to weigh those kinds of things uh, for, for almost everything you do. You have to think 10 steps ahead and prepare. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't, like they don't understand that. They, they think you're overreacting or, or you know, whatever. And that's, that's, or that's a really- Or you're the parent, they should just listen to you. That's my yeah, yeah. I or they'll eat when they're hungry. Holidays are the funnest when it comes to that. We went to one of my family's houses, and they have a very small. 
40 people in there. That's oh a no-no no for my son. My son loves people. I think that's a really, <laughs> you know, that's a really, you know, discouraged thing that people think people want structure. Like, oh, they don't like people. They love people. They like yeah. structured people. <laughs> they like people with a plan. He walked into that house. He looked at me and goes, nope. And he walked out and he sat on the bench outside. And I could see yeah. him through the window and I had full eyes on him. And my family said, right. can't you just make him come inside? And I said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, he needs, you know, and that's, that's, yeah, that's, and then, and then, you know, like, like, like you were, like you were talking about people make assumptions based on what they've seen on TV or what they've, uh, you know, a movie or something like that. When, when everything, er, every, everybody is so different. Twice removed uncle has autism. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody is so different, you know, and, and I even noticed that over, over the years is a trend where you have even parents you know, autism parents within the community as a whole can sort of fraction off uh, or uh, faction off because, you know, they, they see autism the way it affects their kid and assumes that, and they assume that that's the, the, the same thing that you're dealing with. And it's not, not, not necessarily, you know, just because your kid can be mainstream doesn't mean my kid can be mainstream or just because mine can doesn't mean yours can, you know I mean? Every, everybody's different and everybody has to allow for everybody to be unique and individual and have strengths and weaknesses that are different than somebody else's. You know, just because it all falls under the umbrella of autism doesn't mean that it's a, it's a cookie cutter kind of thing. It's not like, uh, you know, something else where everybody who falls under a diagnosis is treated the same way. You know, you take insulin or you take uh, a medication to, to correct something that's not correct. Autism is just a, it's just like a different way of being wired. You know, there's no fix for it because they're not really broken. It's just a different way of 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 uh, sort of interacting with the world. You know. <clears throat> you know, I love how uh, someone told me a quote the other day, and I, I love it. It said, "If you ever want an honest opinion, ask someone on the spectrum." Yep, <laughs> they will tell you. And so, as, as a parent, <laughs> I love my son. He's the most honest person in the world. His teachers have brought it up. Everyone has brought it up. But as his parent, I only go talk to his teachers and his schools and his stuff when he comes home and he asks me to. And that's where that fine line is. So you've been writing, you said, for 10 years? Yeah. About 10 years. So where do you think that thin line falls between advocating and puppeteering? Yeah, that's tough because I think it's different for everyone um, my you know like I said I have three kids my oldest is 19 um, the next one is uh, he's going to be 13 and my youngest is 10 um, you know and, and each one of them are very different uh, my oldest will need to advocate for almost everything for the rest of his life I mean, that's just the way it is it, it's you know he has He's independent in a sense that, like, he can make his own lunch, and he can somewhat maintain like hygiene and stuff like that. But he requires constant supervision, and he's always going to require constant supervision. Uh, so, so we have to adapt to what his needs are, um, and we, we try to involve him in as much as he is capable of being involved in. But any kind of major decision with the hat, we have to. I mean, we have power of attorney, and it has to be that way. There's just no other option. With my other two. They're very different. Um, they are very high functioning, 
and they you know they are able to to sort of speak their mind and and if there's a problem for the most part we hear about it um you know there's still communication language deficits in certain areas and things like that but you know but we want them to be as independent and as um uh, sort of free to move about their world as, as we can safely allow. I mean, I don't want to micromanage anybody's life. I, I hate micromanaging things and um, it, it's a balance, you know, and I think it's different for everybody and it's as long as I think you're putting your child's needs first, then, you know, I, I guess everybody has to do what they feel is best. I, I sort of as I've gotten more experienced, I've learned not to sort of helicopter parent, you know, it's okay if they fall out of a tree. It's okay if, if, you know, sometimes they have to learn the hard way. I mean, it's just, they're still kids. Right. Um, but you know, it's, I think it's, I think it's different for every person. Uh, but for us, we try to allow our kids to be as, as I hate the word normal. I, I hate the word normal, but, um, sort of the best to be whatever they can be on their own It'd be happy and healthy and well-adjusted and, and, and functioning in a way that makes them happy, you know? And if we have to step in and say something to teachers, then we do that. If we don't, then we don't, you know? Um, but it, it's, it's, it's a very, for us personally, it's a very, it's, it's, it's a very fine balance. And it's sometimes you can end up being, too involved and then there's times that you try to balance it out and, and you should have stepped in sooner I mean it's, it's sort of a for us it's it's a sort of a tug of war kind of back and back and forth it depends on which kid we're talking about and what situation we're talking about and you know that makes sense yeah no that absolutely makes sense I think that the hardest thing to find a line between is when we're advocating in place of them and advocating on behalf of them. Yeah. And I think that that is a really important discussion because, you know, if my son is in a situation he does not want to be in and he wants to go and he has, we have scripts, you know, you teach your, you teach your child the scripts. And I went to a parent teacher conference recently and she said, well, he's failing, you know, his, his classes. And I'm like, well, one, he's in pre-K and this is ridiculous. And two, <laughs> Can you fail and visual learner and all of your tests are auditory? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, if you sign the letters to him, he knows exactly what you're talking about because my son, and I think going back to the new parents thing, nothing is, nothing is necessarily permanent. You know, these people, these kids, these adults on the spectrum, their minds are moving so fast mm-hmm. and everything's, you know, pushing and pushing and pushing. My son was fully nonverbal. And then he went to something called echolia, which is, is rare. It's where he learns by echoing. That's how he learns how to talk. But originally okay. he was nonverbal. My youngest and was as well. I, I have people tell me all the time, well, my son's nonverbal, so I can't talk to them. Okay, we'll have you taught them sign language. And they look at me like I have three heads. And I'm like, how? how can you look at a child that you love so much and not try to give them some way to communicate? I was watching a video the other day that literally brought me to tears because a family finally took their child 
to a therapy session and the therapist, all they did was give the child a tablet to type out the words. And the child sat there and typed out, I'm really smart. I just wish you would realize that. And they had never heard their son speak because they never tried or attempted to give him a voice. You know, that's, that's a really interesting point. And I think that's something that one of the things that I always tell people is, you know, there is a clinical diagnosis. Like you can read all the white papers. You can read all of the the clinical information about autism. And your doctors who are well-intentioned are only making their best guess because nobody can predict the future uh, as to what you're going to be dealing with, you know, going forward. You know, my youngest was 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 diagnosed as nonverbal. Uh, and then it was sort of pre-verbal where, where like he would learn a word and then he'd never use it again. Um, and so, you know, he was very aggressive. He was very easily frustrated. Um, he was in pain and we didn't realize that. Uh, and so, you know, we, when he was, I guess, two, um, my wife started watching YouTube videos to learn to teach herself sign language. And, uh, and then I, I would sort of, then she would sort of teach me and then we would in turn teach him. And it, and it, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it gave him a means of expressing himself and communicating uh, to us when he was hungry. And we would start simple with colors or numbers or, you know, um, he still does it now. I mean, he's, he's, he, he has picked up language. Uh, I mean, significantly, he, he's very advanced. Um, but he still uses sign language sometimes just to try and emphasize a point with us. Uh, so I, I, I totally agree with you. A lot of parents, I think, just sort of write their kids off sometimes. Like, well, he's never going to talk. They told us that. And so we just sort of maybe don't know what to do. And so they do nothing. And, you know, it's heartbreaking to see that happen sometimes. But, you know, you're right. I mean, you got to you got to do whatever you got to do to to create a means for your child to, to interact with the world in whatever way they can. No, and I think that's so important. I just think it's so interesting where that line crosses where people think, oh, well, they're not verbal. That means they can never communicate. And there's so many ways to communicate. Um, And I think it's so hard because someone posted something today and it was very interesting to me. They said, why do you think autism parents have this tribe of autism parents and you don't see that with other special needs? You don't see, you know, um, Down syndrome parents. You don't see uh, toxicity parents. You know, you don't see these things on a normal basis. Mm-hmm. So why do you think the autism parent tribe is so strong, so out there? Oh. Uh, I, I, well, I mean, just from my perspective, I mean, I, I, I think we notice groups of people when when it when it sort of impacts us directly uh it's sort of like when you buy a new car for the first time or when you buy a new car you start seeing everybody drive that the same car that you bought like you start noticing it, you pay attention to it so it becomes more prevalent um but you know i think um you know when it comes to autism parents you know i I don't i don't know i guess i don't have an answer you know I, i think that um it used to be I, that nobody talked about it. 
I, w- exactly. I was one of the first people that openly talked about it. And I, w- I was the first that I know of dad uh, that would talk about it. And, and and I would just encourage people like, you know, like, I don't like, why can't we talk about this? I don't understand. Like my kids drive me crazy. Right. I could, I should be able to say that we, we should be able to talk about that because uh, any kid drives their parent crazy. Why, why does autism preclude him from doing what any kid would do? You know, we should be able to talk about things without fear of it being a negative reflection on our kids. Uh, because the only way people are going to understand or begin to grasp is if they hear your voice, because every voice is different. Every story is different. And if we don't talk about it, we can't support each other. We can't uh, work together to sort of make, uh, you know, the community stronger and in a better place for our kids. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. And I think, no, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, no, no, that's okay. I, I, that was the end of my, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's so important to know that the conversation has changed. Yeah. 10, 15, 20 years ago, if your child was diagnosed with autism, the first question in your mind was, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Or what they you used to be they blame the parents. Like it was stigma. something. Yeah. 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 It has. I think letting it has go of that stigma is, is so important. I, I know I mentioned in one of my blogs I thought it was funny someone asked me well they said well how do you tell your family and tell your loved ones you know about your child's diagnosis and I said well number one prepare yourself because it's kind of like telling them that you're you know your child is gay and they looked at me funny and I said no but think about it they're gonna ask you a lot of really weird questions they're gonna ask you yeah. were they born with it or did they become autistic and they don't look they're, autistic you know, <laughs> they don't look. My son you know, you, just did you ever a hear, video. Have you, have you ever heard that? I don't know. You oh, should. I love that. No, my son just did a. Uh, my son just did a video on TikTok, uh-huh. and I absolutely loved it because this woman did TikTok. You lip sync, and this woman did the language for it, and it said, "You know, high functioning autistics." And she said, "Well, you don't look autistic." It's like, well, what am I supposed to look like? A potato, a salad. A I mean. Salad? Like, I'm, I'm combing my hair in a different like direction today. Maybe that's throwing you off. Yeah, what's going to make my definition of my autism easier for you to comprehend? Yeah. It's all, it's all, st- there's so much stigma and there is so much stereotype. And I, I think that's such a huge problem. And, you know, you, you, even, even within the autism community, I mean, you would think that we would be uh, in touch enough with what's going on to recognize that everybody's different you know I think we forget that autism is different for your kid than it is for mine you know and you know nobody it's a frustrating I've been I've been fighting that for a long time and there's just you just I mean people are going to do what they're going to do it just sort of is what it is but yeah it's it's uh we, we need to keep working at it, I think. <laughs> and I think that it's so important that people understand, like, look at different communities. Like, look at the look at the LGBTQ community. No one can be, mm-hmm. well, you're not gay enough to be in this community. No, everyone is loved. Mm-hmm. Everyone is respected. You know, you know, everyone can support that community. But when it comes to autism, it's different. Oh, well, you're high functioning, so you just don't understand my life. Or that, you're that a parent. Is- that's a really good so you yeah. don't get it you can't you know you can't support us and it's like no 
we want the conversation to be open. We want the conversation to be positive. There is, you know, that I've I've wondered that at times because I I, I follow, um, I've connected with a lot of younger people too on on Twitter who are working to try and get their voice heard and share their story. Um, you know, they're they're autistic teens and and they are trying to help bridge the gap between. Uh, sort of where things are and, and where we would like to have them where everybody's sort of better understanding, we're tolerant, we're accepting we're, you know, whatever um, and, and you can see how how there's there's this rift between even autistic people who are in different places you know, they view each other differently and, you know and, and parents are the same way, you know I mean, it's I think the nature of autism is what makes it so difficult to just work with or or to sort of wrap your head around because it isn't it isn't a cookie cutter diagnosis it's 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 sort of a lazy term for a million different things and yeah there's someone on twitter i don't know if you follow her but there's someone on twitter who has a handle um not schrodinger's autism and that is one of the greatest things i've ever seen i absolutely love that Um, because it's not it's not the old school definition of autism anymore it's a new conversation it's a new you know it's it's new things coming up and coming to life yeah and i think that's so important for people to realize you know people tell me all the time you know you you can't advocate for your son but my son's four he doesn't know if Bo is planning for schools for his autism what are you no. supposed to do? If you didn't advocate for your son, how could you call yourself a parent? You know, I mean, like, I, I just, like, I don't get that. I don't get how people I mean, can criticize my, if, you for doing that. If it was that. a neurotypical student who was getting bullied in school, they would encourage that parent to go fight for them. But if my son yeah. gets bullied in school because he's on the spectrum, I should just let him talk for himself. Yeah. And that's not going to about- work anymore because with DeVoe's new plan, autistic, um, people on the spectrum with autism, one, they're limiting the number who are allowed IEPs if the plan goes through, and two, they don't have to educate them anymore. We have, I think t- that it's so important that people remember, we have someone in the government right now who didn't even know what an IEP plan was, who's now in charge of education <laughs> for our kids. Wow. She was asked, "What what's your ideals for the IEP plan? And she said, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Representation. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. And and in uh, you know we were my my oldest. Well, actually, all three of my. Well, no, two of my kids spent time in a public school system briefly um, before it got to be so bad that we we pulled them out. I mean, it was just there was no there was no way. Um, getting people to follow IEPs was a challenge. Getting the IEP in the first place was a nightmare. You know, navigating that system, getting getting the teachers at the time t- to follow through on things was very difficult because they weren't equipped to, to handle kids like mine at the time. And uh, you know, we we ended up we, we pulled them out and and moved them to another school. It's a charter school, and it's just for kids with autism and ADHD and some other learning disabilities. And they're, they sort of emulate a more mainstream environment, but they have all of the accommodations and stuff sort of built in to the curriculum. Uh, they focus around martial arts. 
to help kids earn, you know, get self-confidence, self-esteem, learn to control their bodies, uh, teaches them self-respect, respecting others, anti-bullying stuff. Uh, and it's been a very positive thing. But, you know, I mean, how, how uh, you know, we, in the public school system, when we were where we were at, how could we not stand up for our kids? I mean, there, there were times that I swear to God, I was, I was going to go to jail if they did this again. <laughs> like, if this happens again, someone's going to have to bail me out or, or I'll see you in 20 years because, I mean, you just don't do that to my kid. Uh, yeah, my son's school this year has given him three different teachers. Um, yeah. The first one was switched out after a week. Said she didn't understand anything, and I said, Okay, so we switched to another teacher who said my son was a perfect student, acted normal like any other kid. And then she found out he was autistic. All of a sudden, he was the problem child. Yeah, all of a sudden, he was the one. And now he just got a new teacher. And you know, I had a parent teacher conference, and I walked in, and you know, I had this, this, you know. Uh, I always tell people, mom, calling me a mama bear is such a nice way to say that I will rip you to pieces. <laughs> Touch my kid. And I walked in and I sat down and I started looking around her classroom and I noticed things. Yeah. And I sat down in her chair and I talked to her and I heard her talking and I, I noticed things again, you know? Four years into this, I, I have the sixth sense I think a lot of us have. And she had never met Everett. And this was the first day. She said, you know, I've noticed he's had a couple problems this first week. She said, what's going on? And I said, well, you know, he's on the spectrum, right? And she goes, oh, okay. She goes, that explains everything. And at first, I almost got mad. Because I was like, wait, how does that explain everything? I was like, you don't. And she's like, and she explained to me that she is on the spectrum. Huh. And it literally, like, almost, it literally almost, like, put me to tears right there. And she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. I was like, it's just, it's so nice to have someone who, who gets it. Yeah. But like, and she actually made a system for my son where he, instead of just like the other kids who get auditory, when he mm-hmm. has a good period, he gets a popsicle stick and he comes home and he gets to trade in those popsicle sticks for things because she understands the way that his brain works. Nice. And it is so and rare. That does not happen that. very often. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. That that's that's awesome. And I think it's just so important that, you know, we, we understand these teachers don't have these people coming out. And, you know, that's why I'm starting a campaign this year. And, you know, I'm hoping it goes state by state. You know, I'm, I'm obviously going to reach out, talk to you about including. I want to include you. I want to go to these schools and I want to start talking and letting them know exactly what DeVoe's plan means. That's where the hashtag for my last video came out, which is louder than DeVoe, because we have to be. Yeah. Because she can't be my son's voice. She shouldn't be the voice of any student, period. <laughs> Let alone one, you know, kids that require, that, that are more complex and need uh, thought put into it, right? I mean, I, I, the whole, it's all a disaster. It's all a disaster. And then her, her complete, you know, solution to the situation, and she says, you know, we can just send them to private school. You know, there's vouchers out there. One, there's not enough vouchers. And two, the closest private school to me and my son for special for special needs for kids mm-hmm. with autism is about $800 a month. That's... Unless she's footing the bill for that, she does not understand. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I think she's, I mean, she has no business in the position that she's in to start with. I think that we need to have a teacher in that position, somebody who has extensive experience working with kids of, of all different backgrounds and abilities. Uh, you know, you, you can't run the school system like a business. Yeah. You did know? you watch, um, have you ever heard of Prince EA? No. He did this video about the school system and he said, Look Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what, who you're about. And he said, They're still sitting in the same classrooms. Raise your hand. Yep. That doesn't work anymore. Yep. I saw that. <laughs> I saw it on Facebook, I think. Uh, yeah. And you break it down, and it's like, oh my god! Like, what? Are, how are we even surviving? <laughs> when you when you compare us to some of the other uh, school systems in different countries, you know, we're failing our kids. I think in in many ways, and uh, you know, it's hard. You know, it's hard. We even had battles for the longest time with homework. Like, I, I, I we're this is a school for kids with autism, and so they they should know how this works uh but there's been some struggles overall i mean i wouldn't change much at all i mean they're, they're amazing but there are some common sense things that i would think would be built in and homework is something that seems to be sort of a common issue for kids on the spectrum or kids with adhd like you you do they, they cope while they're in the classroom as well as they can and when they come home they, a lot of times they fall apart you know, they've, they've spent all day absorbing all the noise, all the light, all the sound, all the confusion, all the chaos. And then they come home and we're expecting them to do more work. They, they can't. I, I can't tell you how many There's meltdowns no we've had over homework. Yeah. And all, by the time, because they, it takes them until almost bedtime to adjust to coming home. And then you got to fit in homework, which then just sets them off again because you're asking more than what they can do. Not that they can't academically handle the work it's just it's too much they need time to process and, and adjust to coming home and to expect them to do the same thing uh over and over and over again is is insane we, we finally told them we're like you know what I, I don't care we're just you know we're not doing homework we're not you know you can have them work on things in school <clears throat> uh, but but i i will not spend another three hours after school my kids enduring a meltdown because you want them to do something that I'm telling you is just not going to happen. I'm not going to put them through that. And those are the times like we, we have to advocate, you know I mean? We have to stand up and say like, this isn't, this just isn't going to work. I don't care what you think, but you know, and a lot of people don't realize they're right. I mean, if you're a parent, you have a, you have a kid with an IEP, you are in control. You have the power to, to, to say what happens and what doesn't happen. The school doesn't want you to always know that. And it's probably different in, you know, state to state or whatever. But for us, if we go, we, we can say he's not going to have homework and it can be in his IEP and that's just the way it is. They don't have to like it, but it's the way it is. And, you know, uh, we've had, we've had to step in and, and do that. And it's made a, it's made a big difference. I mean, my kids are the top in their class. They, my, my youngest, he's 10. He carries the, they go from K to eight and he carries the entire school in state testing, you know, but if you try and get him to do homework at home, he, it just overwhelms him. Like he just can't do it. Because it's not their but, zone. It's not their place. Yeah. it's He needs time. To, yeah. And so you have to know this kind of stuff. You know, one of the things in Ohio, and I don't know how it is in Texas, but in Ohio, they hold special needs kids to the exact same standard as, as their neurotypical peers. And so 
you know, they take the exact same state testing. They are still held to the same standards. Everybody else, they but may they get accommodations. Breaks? Are they getting? They, there may be accommodations, uh, depending on whether or not you know, have an IEP or whatever. But like the school itself only educates kids. I mean, it's built from the ground up to educate kids with special needs that that cannot survive in the public school system. Um, and then they incorporate like siblings can come and, and they're automatically accepted because they, they allow them to have sort of neurotypical peers to sort of mainstream it a little bit. Uh, but the idea is, um, I totally lost my train of thought. Just totally derailed. It's Anyways. okay, the trains come and go. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we only have less than two years of Betsy DeVos. I, I, I don't I don't know. It's scary. Oh, the school itself. The state holds my kids' school to the same standard that they hold uh, any public school. And so even though all of the kids taking state testing are special needs and require, uh, you know, accommodations or, or maybe they just don't test well, the school is penalized for test scores. Even though they're taking all of the kids, it absolutely messes with their funding. And so like my kids lost art class last year, you know, they cut, they had to cut art because they lost funding. And, and I mean, it's, it's so backwards how they do this. You you can't, uh, you cannot hold kids with special needs to the same standard that you can their neurotypical peers. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they're not smart enough because I mean, they're they're so intelligent, but they're learning so much differently. My son can't take an auditory test. He'll fail. But if you give him a visual test, he'll knock it out of the park. We have to teach. the The problem that we have now is that we force kids to learn the way we want to teach them instead of teaching the kids the way they learn and common core. I, I, I personally detest everything about, I hate the new math. I hate, I hate the new math. I hate it. Uh, my, my, my youngest loved math until they implemented common core a couple years back. And it forced him to learn this backwards way of doing things that nobody's ever going to use. You're never going to use it. I, I can no longer help him with his math. I'm good at math, but I, it makes no sense what they're doing. And they're forcing these kids to learn in a way that is so contrary to the way that they already know how to do things. And it's just, it's, it, it adds more challenge to their already challenging lives. And it's like, we're setting them up to fail. And that's really frustrating. I'll end my rant now. Sorry. No, you're fine. That's why I think it's, it's so funny because people don't understand, you know, parents will go up in arms, but parents of kids on the spectrum, it's because we're with them. <clears throat> we see those moments. We know how smart they are. You know, we, we know how they learn. We have killed and worked. And it's like when people always tell you, I wouldn't walk into your job and tell you how to do your job. Mm-hmm. Don't walk into my life and tell me how to parent my child. Yep. Or they assume that, you, that, that your child acts a certain way in school. That's how they act at home. And that isn't even, that is, in my case, my kids are hellions at home. I mean, they just, they just are. <laughs> You know, they're very well behaved at school. My two youngest are very well behaved at school. Uh, you know, they, they've never gotten in trouble. They, they, you know, they get along with everybody. They're academically doing amazing. But when they come home, they fall apart. And, and we have meltdown after meltdown after meltdown. And, and it's just because they spent 
every every last ounce of everything they had making it through the school day. No, definitely. And I think it's so funny because people tell me all the you know, and I know it's true. My son acts differently with me than he does with anyone else. Yeah. Because my son knows that it's okay to have that meltdown with me. It's okay to get overwhelmed with me. He's not going to get in trouble. Yep. That's what they even, 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 um, you know, neurotypical kids, even their typical peers will have the same thing. They, they, they are very well behaved in school, but by the time they get home, they, they unload because it's safe. You know, I mean, we, we just have to, as a society, we have to stop pigeonholing people and allowing for kids to be taught, you know, in, in, in ways that best uh, help them to learn rather than trying to standardize what we're doing or, uh, you know, just to, even they, these guys take stand. I mean, my kids have to do the state standardized testing and it's a nightmare for them. It's so stressful because they know that if they don't pass it, they can't move on. And, you know, they, I mean, they always pass it, but the, the, the stress that we put these people under these, these kids under, you know, I mean, <laughs> no, I get it. My son is in, my son is in pre-K. Yeah. And I went over his testing and like, yeah, language arts, sentence, sounding out sounds, rhyming, four or five, counting to 30, getting 20 letters of the alphabet, knowing their sounds, how they look, how they're structured. Oh, and math and geometry. I'm like, you know, he's in pre-K, right? I mean, I think it's, I, I think it's cool that they're learning things, but like I'm going over this stuff with my, my son has been sick recently. And so he's, he's had some makeup work. He's, he's trying to figure this stuff out. It's And, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's just be honest. You're never going to use this. Nobody is ever going to look at anything the way they're asking you to look at this and, and do it. But for right now, let's just, we, we have to answer it this way. I know it doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, maybe someday that'll change. But, you know, we have to learn how we learn now, and then we sort of throw it all away and do what we have to do in real life. And it just seems like such a waste to uh, to have our kids learn the way that they learn, only to have to almost never use it in life, you know. And then when you have kids with special needs, it's even harder. There's there's more complexity. There's 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 a lot of things that that get missed, uh, or or that the school or teachers or whoever just aren't equipped to handle. You know, and, and it's it's just a rough situation. I, I think a lot of teachers mean well. I just think there's just not there's just a lack of training. You know, as prevalent as autism is now, there there just aren't um, people who who specialize in that. That's just not readily available. I don't think you don't have teachers who are autism specialists, or or you don't. You know, I would love to see a lot of adult autistics uh, move into the field. You know. Um, if that's what they want to do, because I think that insight that they that they have would be amazing for helping the younger generation. You know, I, I've had so, or even as paras in the classroom. Yeah, yeah. You know, to be able to say, okay, here, I know, I know what you're going through. Here's how you can cope. Yeah, or it's okay. You're not the only one that that is feeling this way. You're not the only one who's overwhelmed. You're not the only one who's struggling. My son was it's, on red days, red days, red days. After my parent-teacher conference, the teacher sat down and she told him, hey, Everett, just so you know, you know, I'm on the spectrum to you. I have autism like you. All of a sudden, he has 
purple days, star days, because he knows, you know, someone sees He's him. not isolated. Yeah. We get, we get isolated and, and uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you have someone who gets it and that's important. That's, that's, that's awesome. I never really thought about that, but that's, that's really awesome that you have a, uh, your son is a teacher who's on a spectrum. Yeah, Not it's having definitely to explain big. things all the time and, and just having someone who gets it is just, oh, it'd be so yeah, nice. He actually will sit there while he's doing his computer testing and start signing letters for him on the other side of the screen. So he knows. Because hmm. she knows that he knows it. And he knows that he's trying. But he has and a that will, visual. And that, will, and that will help him to reach his potential. You know, it, it gives him an avenue of communicating with other people. That's that, that there's there's no downside to that you know I mean, it's not even like we're asking the world of these teachers i mean i don't think any i don't think public school teachers even understand the power if they put a chair in a quiet corner of the room for kids on the spectrum to go sit in when they need a minute to decompress yeah and, and i that I mean, would be everything if they could have like a like a like they make they make little huddles and tents if they could have a quiet space we we Pretty have like minute. they have beanbag chairs here where my and he's going to be walking out of the building here in a second uh he, <laughs> they have beanbag chairs for the kids to sit in when they need time out they could sit in the hallway they have a desk in the hallway they've got sensory things you know like those those uh like bumpy seats for like kids that have a hard time like sitting still they get like kind of fidgety in their seats they have the sensory pads that they could sit on uh you know i mean it's it's just a it's it's a wholly different environment we're very lucky to have it. Um, yeah. But, but like we said, like, he- like, like the entirety of this has really been about, you know, what we're wrapping up is the conversation needs to change. The conversation needs to be changed between adult autistics and this swarm of new parents coming in yeah. who are getting their child diagnosed. It shouldn't be a, you can't speak for them. It's, hey, how can I help you understand better what your child is going through? The conversation this- with our teachers need to change. The conversations yeah. with everyone need to change. I mean, we expect someone to be able to come up to me and say, hi, this is my name and this is my pronoun. And I adjust everything I say to them. But if you have someone come up to someone and say, hey, this is my name, I'm on the spectrum, you get, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's a negative connotation to it. And, and just, I, you know, we talk, you talk about changing. I think we need to start the conversation because, because there just isn't, there isn't enough of it or what we have. And like you said, is the wrong conversation. And, you know, I, I'm like, I don't think I would have made it this far in my life as a special needs parent. If I hadn't had uh, autistic adults to seek out for help you know my, my wife is my wife is an Aspie and so she has insights into my kids I'm sort of I'm sort of the odd man out in the house uh and so there's a lot of times where I just I mean I, I get it in a sense that I've lived it for so long I understand the way they work and how they're thinking and why they react whatever but true insight is very difficult for someone who who, who is living it to I mean just basic understanding I think is yeah most important when I took my son out to Christmas at my family's house and he had a panic attack during gift time I walked outside and my dad came out to yell at me to go back inside and all this stuff. And then my cousin came out and said, hey, we're going to wait till he's calm. It's okay. I understand. 
And people don't understand how much that means to us. Like when we're in a grocery store and our kid is having a panic attack. Not a tantrum. Not yeah. a, I want this. They, they give us these faces, but really it should be like, you know, like the arm up in the air hunger game style. Like, hey, I'm there for you. I got you. There's a meme out there with, with that. Parents. I see these other parents in the store. Um with their kids on the spectrum. I remember I saw a woman one time and their kid was having a panic attack and they were freaking out and the kid was young and you could just tell she was a new parent. And I had Everett jump out of his safety car because we just started, it wasn't full yet, and jumped into my other one and I gave her my extra one. I gave her the fitted sheet and I said, look, give him this. This is what he needs. It's okay. (laughs) Sensory protection is what that is. Get the noise canceling headphones. Get the yep. get anything you can to just get through. What did they say on uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Ten seconds at a time. Ten seconds. Yeah, that's true. That you is. You can get through anything for ten seconds. Ten seconds. Yep. Very cool. I, I'm. We're very blessed. We've had a lot of really good teachers. We've had some that are that are just. I don't think they were bad people. They just were not equipped to handle special needs kids. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we're very grateful for all the teachers we've had that, that have been super amazing for our kids and, and all the adult autistics out there who have, uh, who've always reached out and been supportive and, and offered us insight and helped me to better understand my kids. I, like I, there's not, not enough thanks I can say for that. Uh, and so I, I would encourage all parents to, to reach out, you know, most, most people are willing to offer insight. You know, they want to help because they know what it's like to go through life without that kind of help. Uh, and so it's it's just a very positive. It can be a very positive thing. I think we need to foster that kind of uh, environment for for us and for those who are coming behind us. We'll light the way. Exactly. Like I want my child to grow up in a world where the conversation is positive. Yep. Where like your article the other day about, you know, them not having sensory friendly dentist office. I was like, Oh my gosh, you're sorry. Like that should, and someone even commented, they said that should be under, under the ADA, like American disabilities act. We need sensory safe spaces everywhere. Yeah. There's, well, I mean, I, dentist office isn't friendly for anybody, to be honest. But yeah, it's a sensory <laughs> sensory nightmare for kids. We have a special needs dentist is, is where my kids go, and um, they they do really really well. And because they started out as kids, they get to stay on forever until these guys, God forbid, they ever stop practicing. I don't know what we're gonna do. But they, I mean, they do such an amazing job uh, working with with kids. And you know, we've we've found there's there's a lot. Of, little things that can be done to have such a huge, hugely positive impact on people. And, and I think that we just, we, we don't do that often enough. And, you know, I think, like you said, with the conversation, the more that we have a conversation, the more that we talk, the more people who speak up and share their stories, the better educated the world is going to become. I mean, you're not going to be able to, you know, we, we can start to squash the stigmas and the stereotypes and, and help people understand sort of what, families like ours you know are facing and what our kids are facing and how we can help them and help them to achieve you know uh, they, they, they people don't 
forget that the kids with autism can be wildly successful. Uh, some of the most successful people in the world are thought to be on the spectrum. You know, that's that that should be something that we don't forget. You know, these kids are not uh, a lost cause or 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 less than. It just we need to we need to do better. I think it's society. Yep, absolutely. It all starts here. <laughs> yeah, as long as the conversation never ends, it's always positive and it's always growing. We'll be yep. okay. Absolutely. All right. Well, I really appreciate your your time today, Rob. I no, anytime. Um, if you want to go ahead, throw out your if people who don't know you, throw out your Twitter handle. Let people yeah. know. Uh, well, if you, you can find me at theautismdad.com and, and all my links and stuff are on the top bar and links to my podcast are on the, on the bar as well so you can find me and you can email me directly right from my site if anybody needs help. Always happy to listen. Don't always have advice, but you know, I can listen and I get it. Most of the time I get it. So sometimes that just helps. But I appreciate you having me. It was a good, it was a good conversation. I think it's something that we should all be thinking about. So... Absolutely, and I hope to have you back real soon. Hey, anytime. Thank you very much. You have a good day. You too. All All right, right, bye. bye.